Right, folks, now what I'd like to do is I just want to talk about the value of open air work. And what I've done is I've set up a little board that you pro probably use in the open air. And ask any questions at any time as long as you want. And that's fine. And I'll just show you how I go about doing things and why I do it, etc., etc. So I've got a few things. Okay. Now, the first reason why we do open air work and why open air work is so important is, first of all, Jesus did it. Okay, now can anybody tell me where Jesus Christ preached in the open air? Lewis, well, nearly every time he preached, because sometimes he preached indoor, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, you're absolutely right. Remember he was in a boat, and he pushed off the shore, and he preached the great story of the man who went to sow his seed in the field. So, first of all, Jesus Christ preached in the open air. But not only did Christ preach in the open air, the apostles preached in the open air. And the classic sermon, of course, though there are many, uh, what passages in the Bible might you turn to? Pentecost, Acts 2, and Acts 17, which is to the Greeks, the Athenians, and Paul is preaching on there. Okay? And we are told to do it as well, in the sense that we are told to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples of all nations, etc., etc., which is Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Okay, so we're in good company when we're preaching in the open air. Okay, now, I'm a bit worried, folks, that we've got people going into Christian work and they don't do any outside preaching. And this is just a thought for you because I do appreciate that some people, if you put them outdoors, they'll probably just collapse in a heap or freeze up, you know, they go, oh, rigor mortis would set in. They just wouldn't be able to cope with it. So I do appreciate that some people, if you like, are a little bit more gifted that way than others. But what worries me, folks, is that people are telling me they're called to preach and then they have a sort of a, a caveat on that and it's this, inside. Now, if God calls you to preach, he calls you to preach, doesn't he? And if he calls you to preach, we're to be those people who preach wherever people are so that we're preaching to all nations, to all types of people. Okay? Um, now, if you were guessing how many people live in the UK, Lewis, what would you say? 55 million. Approximately 55 million in the UK. How many people, Stanley, how many live in Poland? How many people live in Poland? 38. About 38 million. Okay. So there's 38 million there. There's 55 million here. Okay, the land where my folks come from, there's 4 million. It's called Southern Ireland. And um, there's a vast amount of people who don't go to church. They don't go anywhere near a church. And if you were to get every building in London and stuff it with people, you know, up the spires, in the vestries, in the adjacent rooms, you wouldn't scratch the surface of the need if they were all chock-a-block full. And we could multiply that round every city, whether it's in Poland, or the UK, or Southern Ireland, etc., etc. And most people don't go to church. Now, what I want to do just now is I just want to put a clip on, which is the first DVD, and this is a DVD which is called On the Streets. And it's just asking people, on the streets of Morecambe, which is a town in the north of England, on the coast, it's asking people, 
why they believe what they believe. And the first question it talks to, and it doesn't have to be this, but I've just, this is the first one on. It's creation. Do you believe God creates? And look at the ignorance that comes out of the people in the streets. So just play that for me, Andy. And he's just simply interviewing about 12 people. There's one chap on there, and I know him personally, and he's an out-and-out Christian. He's actually carrying a banner, would you believe? But there we go. How do I think we've got? How long have you got? I think we evolved. I don't know how. But uh, I don't think we were created. Not certainly not the Bible, certainly. I don't believe in creation. Um, I do believe in evolution. Well, we're saying it's supposed to be some days. I don't see why. You see tremendous ignorance, don't you? And they're educated people. They've come through the British education system telling us. Now, I only looked at Chris with the first thing on. But you just realise, first, the multitudes are outside the church. And then when you talk to them, you know, they can have degrees from this university and degrees from that. And you ask them the basic question, they make these colossal assumptions and presuppositions and um, without any evidence. So, why is up there important is because people are important. Alright? And people are so important, folks, that, you know, if you calculated the number of people who lived on planet Earth, so let's say, here's Adam, and then you get all these people, and then the last person's born, you could calculate, drawing a line from right to left, east to west, how long that might be, as long as you knew what ages they all were. But if you just took one of them and you drew a line this way, that line would never stop. Because in each individual is an eternal, eternal being. 
And when you begin to think like that, you realise that the value of a soul is it's absolutely crucial that God, the Creator, would come from heaven to hang on a cross that individuals like you and me might be saved. Now, when you think like that, you must think, well, if that was God's top priority to get onto that cross, for this reason I have come forth, then that must be my priority as well. Okay. So one of the great advantages of open air work is you can get into the heart of the masses. Okay? Now, the reason it's hard work and it's wise work is because this is what you must do in the open air. You must stop them, interest them and grip them. Alright? And with all due respect to anybody preaching inside, of which, you know, the Lord Jesus preached inside, and I've preached inside, and we believe in preaching inside, and the apostles preached in the synagogues, and in the marketplaces, and those who just happened to be there, with all due respect to them, if they've shown up knowing there's going to be a sermon, they're a bit prepared. But if you're in the middle of, you know, Manchester or Southport or London or in the middle of Warsaw, wherever it might be, Dublin, these people are meandering through and you've got to stop them, you've got to grip them and you've got to hold them. And so open air work is not an easy work. But it's easy to think it's an easy work because all you do is go downtown and set up. But the real work is getting into those one-to-one conversations so you can really speak to people. So what I do is this. Now, some people in churches go for systematic theology. Well, let's have that quality Bible teaching. Let's have that. But do you think that would work in the centre of Liverpool? Do you think that will work? You know, that's the Grand National. Alright. If I set up my board, there's 30,000 people on that bank. And do you think it would work? It won't, will it? So my method in the open air to hold them to grip them and to converse with them has got to be different. Okay. And so this is the type of thing that I do. Okay. So, quite simply, did Jesus rise from the dead? Now, in open air work, obviously you've got to prepare yourself. But you've got to speak on a topic that grips you. If it doesn't grip you, it will never grip them. So, for for example, this one, Jesus rise from the dead. Now, notice I start with a question. Now, why do you think I start with a question? Anybody? Thanks, Betty. It does. If you're answering a question, you can't fall asleep. Have you noticed that? And so what you do to hold them and grip them, you've got to put something into the mind that wins their attention. And so, for example, you might be in the open air. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to stop and consider this great message. Look, did Jesus rise from the dead? Do you think he did? Alright? Well, and then what I do is, so well, look, now folks, you be the jury. We'll go through the evidence, you be the jury. Okay? And so we simply say, well, if he's going to rise from the dead, he must have lived. And this is a quotation from Ryland's University lecturer, F.F. Bruce Manchester, which simply says, 
the historicity of Jesus, you know, he says, it is not these stories who propagate the Christ refuse. So, folks, can anybody doubt that the historians are saying that Jesus lived? Does anybody doubt that? Can we, can we move on? You see what I mean? And what I'm trying to do is interact. That's really, really key in open air work. So, I've shown them that he lived, and then I've shown them that he died. And this is quotations from non-Christians, and it's come from Cornelius Tacitus Roman historian born in 1854. Christus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. Okay? So, he lived, he died. Now, that's not a, non- that's not a Christian saying that. So, I'm not fighting my corner, am I? And I say, well, come on, what do you think? And all the time, I'm trying to engage them in to get them to think logically through the arguments. So, he died. But then I look at, but did he rise? Okay, and that's the question to be thinking about today. And I don't put this on until the end. But what I do is I say, look, let's think about it. Here is the body of Jesus Christ, it's put in the tomb, there's a Now, think about it, folks. The situation is, soldiers guard the tomb, there's a Roman seal, the body's gone through an horrific crucifixion, you can describe that just by seeing, you know, Passion of the Christ or something, and even worse. And then he shoved in this tomb, it's sealed, etc., etc. Now all we know is after three days, on Sunday morning, that body was missing. Now you think it through. Who had the body? And I just got who had the body. The Jews didn't. Now the reason the Jews didn't, they spent 33 years getting him in. They don't want to get him out, do they? Keep him in. That's their interest. And secondly, the Romans didn't. Because if the Romans had it, they could just produce it. And so if Peter stands up in the middle of Jerusalem and says, This Jesus, you crucified, God raised up, Roman men who are witnesses, just trundle on the body. End of Christianity in one. So why didn't they do it? And all, so all the time I'm pushing the ball in their court and saying, Over to you, over to you. Because I'm wanting them to reason it through. And then I say, The disciples didn't. Because the disciples, 11 of them, all gave their, their life for a lie. And I talk about, look, just in to me, this is the body and it's in my garage. And I stand up and say, Jesus is risen from the dead, but I know the body's in the garage. And then I give my life for it. That's utter suicide. It's worse than suicide, isn't it? Because I know I've got the body. So you reason it through, okay. All right, now trying to make this interactive. Now, I'm just going to turn that off. And... Sometimes I come with a totally different tack. And the reason I do this is because um, the reason I come with a totally different tack is because I wanted to stop people. Okay? And I try and get things that are topical. Alright, now, what I want you to do is be involved in my talk. So I ask you a question, I give you a problem, say over to you. And the moment you do that, you actually find you get a crowd. So here's a typical one, right? This is one I just did recently. It's called, what's the difference between these two men? Alright? Now notice, I've asked them a question. So anybody passing, I'm going to say, what's the difference between these two men? And I'll say, what two men? So I'll show you pictures. I'll say, number one, Jack and number two, Neil Armstrong. 
I said, what did Neil Armstrong do? He always landed on the OK. First on the moon, yeah, great. OK. I said, well, what did Jack's Q store do? Does anybody know what he did? He did, he went underwater. All right? So think about it. What's the difference between Neil Armstrong, Jack's Q store? Here's another two men. So I can get the children involved. Jack and Jill. And Captain Smith. Now, are you ready? One went up and one went down. That's the simplest thing in the world, isn't it? One went up, one went down. Do you know, folks, it could be any two men. It could be these two men. One's going to go up, one's going to go down. And you explain about the one when I was brought up, they told us, the good thief. <laughs> the good thief. <laughs> the Catholic Church here. The good thief. <laughs> the good thief and the bad thief. But you see, eventually that day, you will be with me in paradise, won't you? One's going to go up to paradise. And one's going to go down. And you know the most staggering thing, folks? This cross in the middle will decide whether you go up or down. This person in the middle is whether you go up or down. Are you going up or are you going down? And it's so simple, isn't it? Kids can get that. But it allows me to get into conversation with people afterwards. And the difference between these two men was this. The one that went up, I happen to believe it was on the right, but you can argue with me. But the one who went up, that's the Christ right, he made his peace with God. This day you shall be with me in paradise. And you just explain it so simply like that to them. Okay? Now, the aim of this talk is to get people into conversation. So, me and my wonderful talk is not the real business. My job is to get my team with me, and so that, let's say, a non-Christian stood there, Joe Bloggs is on my team, and he can simply turn and say, thanks for stopping, what did you think about? And off he goes. So, I'm setting up conversations for the people who are standing around. But the most important thing, folks, is I've got to say something that is exciting and for good news to be good news it must sound like good news if a fellow wins the lottery he doesn't say oh dear I won the lottery does he <laughs> what a shame he says whoa that's his little world but the point is he's gripped by it isn't he and the greatest news we've got and that's why it's a sin to say boring and so you've got to have a, you know, it's got to grip you and say, this is great news, folks. You come here and listen to me. And I actually say, atheists, come and speak to me. Atheists, whatever you are, come and talk to me. I want to talk to you. And these people roll up and I ask them hard questions. So my point of making is be interactive. Okay. Here's another one I did recently. It's called The Good Friday Agreement That Really Works. Agree with God that you're a sinner. Uh, agree that Christ died for your sin and agree to turn from your sin. And it works. And it was on Good Friday. And it really works. Until that cross of Christ. And so you try and get something that the man in the street can think, yeah, I can understand that. Do you know, Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon said these words. What would you think of a ladder whose first rung is at the top. He said, you'll never get on it, will you? 
And folks, do you know what happens? People can preach. And so I've got to say something that grips that bloke. And the way I do it is I try and give him a problem to solve. Another talk I've got is simply called, can you solve my biggest problem? Everybody knows it. So they want to know what your problem is. So I say, I'm going to tell you my problem. Look, I've done wrong. You believe me? I've done wrong. I've stolen. I know. I remember I stole. When I was 16, 17, I used to steal. I, I cheated. I've done wrong. And not only have I done wrong, I know that one day I'm going to leave planet Earth. Could be sooner, could be later. I say, now look, am I going to die innocent or guilty? I'm going to die guilty, aren't I? My biggest problem is getting shut of my guilt. Can you help me? You say, well, don't do it again. My problem is it's setting cement. I've done it. Don't be telling me don't do it again. I've done it. Too late. That's no good to me. And so I give the problem to them. And I say, do you know, my problem is your problem. Now, can you get shut of your guilt? Now, let me tell you how you can get shut of your guilt. It's when the blood of Christ washes from all sin. Okay, so I'm being interactive in my presentation. Any questions on that, Pope? Sam? You mentioned about the atheists. Yeah. And um, what do you do if you get a real hardcore militant, you know, the sort of Dawkins in the blood type, you know, the, um, yeah. you know, they've got all the science arguments that they think, you know, the, the sort of people that come looking for you, you know, what, how do you sort of respond to them? Well, I've got a friend. <laughs> and it's on the inside. And it begins with the letter C. You've got it. You see, what pain is to my body, put your hand in the fire, conscience is to the soul. So I don't argue either with God. In fact, God just stands up and cracks up and he goes, in the beginning God. I go for conscience. When the prodigal comes to his senses, he says, he came to his senses, remember, I have sinned. So I go for conscience. I say, excuse me, Mr. Atty, she's arguing there's no God. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything in your life that you're ashamed of? Are you sleeping around? I asked him point blank. Are you an adulterer? You see, the reason... <laughs> I, put, I try and make the point. I said to the crowd, I said to the crowd, I said, now look, imagine this, look. I say, Southport's got some nice areas. There's 386 millionaires where I live and me. All right? In Birkdale. I say, now imagine I say to you, I'm going to sell you a house. You think, great. I say, it's in Birkdale. I think, ooh, quite posh. I say, you can buy it, four bedroom semi, for 100,000. They go, hey! I say, the only problem is, you're a burglar, and you live right next door to a copper. Do you buy it? I say, do you know why they've got this atheist here, folks? God is light and he's living in darkness. I don't have any problem with that at all because I'm going for his conscience. And I say to him someone he can't disagree with, I said, Mr. Ace, let me ask you a question. Do you think the sun got up in the west this morning? Did he? Yes or no? He's got to say yes, hasn't he? I say, as light come into this world, so has the Son of God. And he's revealed himself to all people. So when I get my atheist, man, I'm on the offensive. Um, just on that as well. My very starting point, folks, is always on the offensive. I don't mean being aggressive, and I don't mean being unkind and rude. 
I mean, I'm going out with the victory. And why I say that is this. In the book of Psalms it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now the atheist wants us to read this. The earth is man's. So God is tolerated somewhere at the edge of the universe somewhere. And the atheist has the day. But God says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness. So in other words, I'm the person who's got everything to shout about. And he's a guest in God's universe. And if I can put it nicely to him, he's like a dog sniffing the art galleries of London. And God is in charge. She said, my attitude says, I'm in charge. But I'm not arrogant with it. But I'm coming from a position where you need to hear this. And if you don't get converted, you are in trouble. You see what I mean? I'm not rude to them, but I'm on the front foot. And that is so important because it means you speak with conviction and you speak with authority. Alright? I, I just thought of one the other day. I got it off an illustration. I'd, I'd love to do this. I'll turn up in the open air with a piece of string. So I've got a piece of string. Say, look at this piece of string. Say, ain't it good? Now, I'm getting the piece of string. I've got a stone. So, say, look at that. I said, finish now. And I cut a little bit. I said, what's going to happen to the stone? What's going on here? Crap pot, Christian. But I said, you know, could you guess how many strands are in this string? Have a guess. How many do you think, Anthony? Have a guess. Five. Okay. I say, this string is every day of your life. And at 12 o'clock tonight, another one gone. How many strands have you got? You don't know. And one day, the knife's going right through it. Do you see what I mean? Does that have to wrong? No. No. Because I... I mean, I'll be hearing them say, well, they say, the same sun that melts the ice bakes the clay. Yeah. Um, I was a bus driver for a period of time, yeah. and it was a riot, especially when, you know, you've got a bus stop, and they're all giving you some high school kids, they were yeah. hilarious. But, like, some people went off, and, and because the gospel does its work, and the conscience does get quick, some go off softened, and some yeah. go off hardened, and some yeah. spit Well, them. Billy, what I'd say about that is two things, actually. You see, I never know what response it's going to bring, and I do really believe that quote, you know, the, the, the sun that melts the butter sets the concrete, yeah. doesn't it? But my, my point is, I'm saying things that we can't disagree with. Yeah. You see, you don't know how many strands you've got. Nope. <laughs> 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 Just don't go near Glasgow. <laughs> Man, you're there already. The <laughs> no, but whatever. You could just, but you could just make the point, couldn't you? Yeah. And it's a classic It's so simple, isn't it? And you just say you don't know how many. And they've got. Here's another one. I'll tell you that. Let's say you invited me to London or wherever it was to speak. Where, where do you live? London. Oh, London. Big village, isn't it? So you invite, <laughs> invite me to London, right? Do you know what I did? I'd buy your local paper where they've got the dispatches column and I'd calculate the average age of the people who died that week and it'd be tremendous if they're young because from my point of view I said, do you know the average age of the people who need the standard rubber boots? I think it's 32. What age are you? You can't get around that, can you? 
And, and these things, you can do your own work, a little bit of preparation. So, my point of making it, folks, make it interactive, make it interesting. Use wit. Often we go to Hyde Park Corner, I mean, I've seen some screamers in Hyde Park Corner. You know, you've got the Muslim fellow, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a star of David, he's going to go shouting across the channel, hey, Iqbal, yeah, camel's been wheel clamped. <laughs> 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 yes, you get them all. If I become a Christian, do I have to wear a stupid jersey like yours, Mr. Speaker? <laughs> you know, you get all these, and they've got their one-liners, so you can, you, you can work on yours, and... Again, I'd say it's easy to play to the crowd, I think, but you've got to remember that you're after the interested person. You're after that individual who's going to live forever. And that's what I find in open-air work. Now, where do I get my open-air talk from? Well, obviously, it's absolutely crucial. I know scripture. I'll give, you, I'll give you a situation. You give me a Bible verse accurately to, to, to launch into it. Okay? I've been a Christian all my life. I don't say you can't be, because you can't be, but I want to know from the Bible why you can't be. John 3, 3, isn't it, Roger? Okay, except the man be born again, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Alright, or John 1, John 1 that says, to all those who receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God. If you're born, he's not going to use the word become, is he? So, you use the scripture, but I actually find sometimes I get my open air talks from ordinary life situations. I'll show you one. I brought it. Here it is. This is my two open air talks in here. It's a book called The Wonders of the World. Alright? Now remember I'm dealing with people who are just really way off. Now what I'm going to do in here is I'm going to turn... Remember I'm going to make it interactive... So I turn, and I say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to show you a picture. What is it? And I could say, this is what it is, but remember, I've got to interact. I've got to engage. So I ask them questions. So I say, here it is. What is it? You're a good reader. <laughs> the Forbidden City. And I said, you know what? That Forbidden City is in Beijing. And it's forbidden for thousands of years. Do you know there's another city that's forbidden? Heaven. You can't get there. But I can tell you how you can get there. See? So it's simple, isn't it? And it intrigues. Because people are interested in the forbidden city. I'm fascinated by it all. Here's another one for you. This is simply called the wonders of the world. And what you've got is you've got that fantastic picture. Alright? And um, you've got all sorts of wonders from the world. From lecture and... Oh, I'm trying to find one from Poland. <laughs> it's your house. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> hey, there you go, that's not Poland. So, they put these things in the ones of the world, alright? So you've got the Angel Falls, and you've got Niagara, and you've got these fantastic things, alright? And then what I do is I say, which is the wonder of the wonders of the world? Of all of them, what are you going to vote for? Alright? I said, did you know that this is a wonder of the world. Now, I didn't know until I bought the book. That's the rocket from Florida about to go up. And I said, you know, they call that a wonder of the world, 
and that man's attempt to get to the stars and the heavens the wonder of wonders is this God's attempt to come to earth the cross so simple isn't it and, and that's where I get a lot of my talks from because I have all my Bible verses ready to launch the big attack but my first thing is I want to grip them and um, so I try and learn interesting facts about things like the Great Wall of China there's only four people got through the Great Wall of China when it was in its heyday do you know how they did it? they brought the fellow on the gate that's how they did it they couldn't get over it but they could get through it and they did and so I try and think of things it is a I'll show you the picture I'll tell you the story you tell me the verse that's absolutely bang on for it that woman there, Iris, from Northern Ireland, wins 20 million quid on the lottery. The problem is she's dying of cancer. What will it profit a man? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? When they said to that woman, you've won 20 million quid, she said, that's nice, and went to bed. It didn't mean a, a, a iota, and the family say on here, we give it all back if we could just find a cure. Folks, and you say there is a cure. There's a cure to death. So you just... And what I'm trying to do, folks, is I'm trying to start a little bit where the people are, so I don't get on the first run of the ladder at the top, but I try to interact. Any questions on that? Roger, have you gone to sleep? No! <laughs> I asked you to close in prayer. No, no, don't close in prayer, Roger. <laughs> I don't close in prayer. <laughs> you just rest in your eyes, Roger. <laughs> okay, sorry, question. Sometimes you find that um, those hecklers are your best friends as well for launching onto another thing. Of, you know, we were saying yesterday that we were up at Christian Answer and I was just speaking on a one Bible word. And... Uh, bloke kept shouting, where is Jesus now? And it's quite easy to say, look, this man, having got a clue where Jesus has been, yeah. using his interaction and yes. following um, to launch into your next yeah. point, really, yeah. um, which is quite useful. Do you have um, large teams when you go, and are you mainly um, precinct centres? Um, with regard to large teams, I do open air work about once every two weeks and I probably get about ten people with an average. Okay, whether they're church people or whether they're young life into church people. And we have two different sites that we work. And uh, you were saying about your second question was Yeah, and do you mainly do shopping precincts? No, I do I do anyway, but what I look for when I go to choose an open air site is I look for several things. Number one, I look at the weather. And I always walk down the street and pick up a ciggy or whatever somebody's left, throw it in the air, and I know it's where the wind's blowing. Now, why do you think I'm conscious of the wind? Thanks. Because I want my voice to take the, the words of God to, to go out to the people. I also look where the sun is. And why do I look where the sun is? So, if anybody's got a sun in their eyes, it's me. Because if you squint and look at something, your concentration span is very, very slim. So, you're going to wander on. So what I do is I choose a site where the wind and the sun are right and also I choose where the fish are swimming slowly. You know, you, you try and give a tract 
to a fellow who's running 100 metres. That's out the Olympics, you know. It's hard work, isn't it? So if he's going to his appointment, he's going to his appointment, didn't he? Well, short of tripping him up from the precinct, we're in trouble. But when they're meandering, you're in business. So actually the weather, which is God's creation, is a tremendous thing for stopping the feet of people. Because they're meandering. The prodigal got saved through a famine, didn't he? So the Creator God, I think, is wonderful to us because what he does is he gives us weather conditions. Like today, people aren't going to stop really today. It might be a no-goer. But if it's a very windy day, that's the worst. Because that blows your board everywhere and you're more conscious of your board and it's flying over that woman's head. You know? As, as it's done on me. So your weather conditions... Did he hit a woman? Did he send some flowers? Yeah? Did he send some flowers? It's about a year ago. Because the board just went... I told one of the team, you know, students, we'll write a thesis on this. <laughs> the point is, you've got to be careful. And I look where the fish are. And by that, I mean, don't go fishing in your bath. You never catch anything in your bathroom if you go fishing. You've got to go where the people are. And I look where they're moving slowly. And that's where I set up. Okay? Um... So choosing your site is really, really crucial. Yes. What do you do about follow-up? Like, how do you follow-up? Right. First of all, if you've got leaflets and gospels, booklets, pass to them, you can have your contact details in there. And we can thank God for the internet these days, can't we? But secondly, like when I'm in Southport, I work one day a week for Grace Baptist Church. So Derek King, my mate, stamps all the gospels, and we go out and we've got an actual address in there. Now, when people sometimes send things because of Roger's tracks which are used, and also United Beach Missions, they've got an address on. And if it goes through the office to Roger or to UBM, United Beach Missions, it comes back to us and it'll say, for example, we might say, Barney, can you follow up Joe Bloggs who we talked to in Hyde Park Corner last Sunday? And we'd ask you to make a contact with him. So there's a network of people that we can call on right across the country to do some follow-up. Sometime you win, sometime you lose. That's my experience. I've had people, I'm thinking, boy, that woman's close to becoming a Christian. Then she rings up and says, I don't want anybody to come round to see me. And you get that. That's your, that's your real situation for lots of reasons. Um, and so, I always think the best thing is if you live in that locality and you're committed to actually going round and following up. And I always find it's very good to you know, send ladies to ladies, men to men. So you go to that, you, like, you get their details and you go and visit them at their house. Yes, I would, yeah. Invite them to a study, invite right. them to something. Um, for example, I went traction on the streets of Southport and I met a fellow from Iraq. And he lived on King Street. Well, the church is on Princess Street next door. And he said he'd come to church and he came to church. And they didn't like this church. So he said, can you take that other church? And I dropped him off. And the next thing that happened was he, um, he started going to that church. And he's still going as far as I know. So sometimes, you know, you can't always say they'll be mine and that's it to the Lord, aren't we? And we're just going to try and do our best putting in safe hands. Any other questions, folks? Yes, go on. How long would you wait before you started? For how many people? So you said you, mean, you launch them with your question. Or yeah, or I have nothing. Nobody. 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 Really. Nobody. There's nobody there except maybe two or three in your team or ten. I ask them to stand close and don't look like a Christian. That's the carnal thing. Whatever you do, don't look like a Christian. Whatever happens. All right. 
but I t- in other words, look natural, that's what I'm trying to say. And what I do is as people come along, I ask the people not even to speak to them while the talk's going on. Because what they do is they end having their own open air next to mine. Because they're having a chat and people can hear them. So, I start, but what I'm trying to do is get them to stop. And the way I get them to stop is I pose to them a problem. I might start off by saying, can you solve this problem? Tell them the problem. Or, what would you do? No, no, because people, when one, one, one comes, another person will come and stop, and then if somebody shouts, you're really in business. So let's say Roger over there is a non-Christian and he shouts, you know, get your head. <laughs> okay. I said, why do you think it, ladies, and I go over to this end, straight away. I said, do you know that man over there? What did you say, sir? See, I've got him on my side now. And he's shouting, and I'm, I'm getting everybody in the precinct. So I'm trying to use him. If I just start talking to him, why do you think it's rubbish? Whoa. Yeah, he said, it's more sensible thing I've ever heard him say. <laughs> but the point is, I'm trying to use him at this side of the precinct as well. And then people come in before I know I can have 50, 60 people come in. Sometimes I might have two, three. But I'll tell you what I found. Amidst the masses, there's always one or two who are interested. And then what I do, I make much of the cross of Christ because actually it's the cross of Christ that really gets through to them. For all my arguments, when you explain what Jesus Christ is that for you, for me, that breaks somebody, doesn't it? That's the thing that hits up. And uh, so I try and use the hecklers. Another good point is, I guess this is experience, but what I'm coming to is this. I've got a talk called Three Questions an Atheist Can't Answer. And I put it on the board and sometimes I don't even answer it. Because they all come up at the end and say, hey, what's them three questions? Well, I'm away. <laughs> and, and even at the end of the open air, people come up and say, where have you been? You've missed my talk. Would you like to do a one-to-one? And they come and watch us say, look, and might look round, somebody else has joined in. And so, there's a lot you can do in an open air just to, to get people um, uh, interested. But, um, another way of putting it, I'm going to change my talk to, look, I would love to be an evolutionist, but I can't quite get there. Can you help me? I say, look, let me look at you. Look, evolutionist believes that we came from a big bang which came from nothing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, can you tell me, if you've got nothing and you add nothing to it, how much have you got? See what I mean? I say, well, that's amazing, isn't it? I say, now look, for the man who uh, uh, says there's no God, we've got a universe at the end of the equation, but if you've got nothing and you add nothing, you've got to have nothing, so we must have something. I say, now over to you, you explain it to me. And, and I... And when I do three questions, I don't ask. I say, number one, how do you get life from no life? Impossible. Number two, how do you get order from chaos by chance? And number three, how do you get the laws of the universe to operate without any prior intelligence? And so what I'm doing, folks, is... Sometimes it's, it's quite interesting because sometimes you think, oh, this group of people I've took in the open air, they've heard this, they know the arguments, they can do the talk better than me. And I feel like changing it for their sake. But I've got to remember, I'm going for the outsiders. And although it's, you know, sucking eggs for them, for them, it's revelation, if you like. So, you've got to just work it out. Johnson. That would depend on... Which would depend on the weather. If it's freezing, 
you know, and I've not got a missionary to the mission to the Eskimos. <laughs> you know, I've got to think they're freezing. And here's a really big thing, Jeff. It's a good thing you remind me about. You can love preaching, or you can love people. And if you love people, you get something called Ariston. Not Ariston. He goes on and on. It was an advert on the telly ten years ago. Ariston goes on and on and on and on. But what you do is break it down. Say, look, they're cold. They've been here four minutes. Stop. And sometimes a surprise stop. I say, we're going to break now. Stop. So that everybody can have a quick chat. And that is the strength of the work. The one-to-one conversations. So I, I really believe in open air work for lots of reasons. I also think it makes you an interesting preacher. Because what you've got to do is you've got to go right on the edge. And, and I don't like people coming up to me telling me I'm a fathead and swearing in my teeth. And I don't like people pouring beer on top of your head. I don't like that. I don't like them throwing donuts at me in Liverpool. Because I'll eat it later, thank you very much, you know. <laughs> and you know, they do. I don't like it. And I'm certainly with my mates playing footy. But you see, there's a line, isn't there? And the line is that this one individual, whoever it is, they'll go on forever. And I have got a short time to reach them. So that is unimportant. This is important. So, any comments from you folks? Anything you want to ask? Or Has anybody ever seen open air work done badly? No. Yes. Okay. Now, when we say we've seen it done badly, Barney and Roger... Tell us what you mean, because whether you preach inside or out, you can do it great or you can do it badly, can't you? And when you say, Barney, just give me what were the characteristics where you feel it's been a bit done a bit bad? I think um, the, the, the big common characteristic is no sort of interaction. So interaction yeah. is everything in the outdoor work. Yeah. Live stream is good. Yeah. Um, even if it's sort of even if it's not really like huge, even if you're sort of making the interaction, you yeah. know, you're sort of asking and answering questions yourself, but just someone who's just preaching at a crowd might have a great crowd, but if no one's listening to him, exactly. particularly, I've got a particular bugbear with the use of amplification when people yeah. are not listening. Are you for it or are you against it? You are! Yeah, now I'll tell you why I'm against it, Barney. Yeah. Number one, it means that in a sensitive society, it could give the fellas in the shops a chance to shut me down. Yeah. So I'm running a risk. And number two, I don't want a fellow 100 metres down the street. No. I want him here. Yeah. And he'll come here if we talk yeah. Nazi to him. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I so that's what I found. In Hyde Park well, Corner. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I've seen. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. Do yeah. We'll do it. And no. Like people actually yeah. I mean, yeah. away, yeah. well, I think it's very uncomfortable. It is, it is. Yeah. I think so. Well I, for those two reasons. Yeah. So amplification one. And Roger, you said something that you'd seen yeah, done badly. Well one is where the um the front and the uh he shouts and and this can happen and it's so embarrassing, it's not related to anybody. And the other one is slightly 
and the child. Oh, yeah. The speaker. The speaker. The speaker, yeah. Yeah. It's a manner. Yeah. Yeah. It's done by the chap from Melbourne Hall. Yeah. Yeah. No, your manner in the open air is really important, folks. And I, I mean, you, you think, is there anything that you've seen in preachers, just generally, in or out, that puts you off? Just... <laughs> you mean the person speaking with Sonny Ron? Is that because you can't see the full... So you'd really have a problem with the veil, wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> so, yeah, Sonny. Now, Okay, so you'd like... Yeah, it's good. Anything else that puts you off, folks? Aggressive. Simon, what do you mean... I'm, what do you mean by that? Now, what is the Simon? What is a good Bible verse and principle that deals with that issue? What would you say? Yeah. What's he say? Yeah. And do you remember the Lord? He said he was full of grace and truth so what your friend is often saying is correct you could say yeah I agree with that you know but actually is it gracious so my delivery could be the delivery of a flying snooker table alright wouldn't it but it's not going to do anybody any favours and I find that you know the Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath sometimes that can be I got a great tip from Stuart Ollie Bible teacher once and I'll never forget this I think this is big this is to my mind this is class he, he watched me preach in the open air and he told me the next day, he said, Vinny, you were too aggressive yesterday. And then he said this. He said, just imagine that you put your bits on the board and you stood here and you're just about to turn around and speak. And he said, as soon as you turn around, you see all your family in the crowd. He said, now do you speak to them? I thought that was fantastic, wasn't it? Do you know why? He's given me a picture and he's given me something I will never forget. Now, Stuart doesn't preach so much outside. I think he used to. But his analytical mind is so helpful for me. I thought that was super. All right. Let me just put one or two. See, here's a, a little talk called Who Said It and Why? All right. This is a little talk which I'm just about to call Who Said It and Why? And with this talk, you can put some real funnies on there. You know, that fellow, Spark Milligan. He wants... He's... He wanted on his gravestone, you know, and he had a fallout in his family and he said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but there it is. Here we go. Who said this? Who said, money can't buy me love? Yeah, well, they didn't say it. They sang it, didn't they? All right. Now, who said this? Tony Blair. Now, what I've done is I've got you interested, right? Oh, well, okay. Now, watch what happens. Instead of now putting on another secular one, very early on, I throw in this one, which is the Bible one. I don't throw it in at the end. And that's because I can lose my crowd. Because they think, here comes the religious bit, I'm off. I put that in third. And I say, now, who said it? And we all say, now, who said this? Who said that? Who sang that? Come on, who's... The king, who is he? Oh, who sang that, me? Alright? And this one, this is one I, I like this one. This is, who said that? 
I wouldn't say I'm the best manager in the country, but I'm in the top one. <laughs> Ryan Clough. <laughs> All right. So what I've done is I've gotten and I've gotten smiling. I've got my Messiah. You say. I said, now look, that's why he said it. When he said the eagle has landed, why was it said? It was said because we just landed. <laughs> they just landed on the moon. That is a phenomenal journey. One small step and all that. But there's one on here, I guess you don't know why, why it was said. Do you know what? It was said and he said six other things from the cross and this was the central. My God. And do you know why he said that, folks? He said that because of me. There's a connection between his death and me. And I say, I've done wrong. So have you. And on the cross of Calvary, Jesus was dying to pay for sin. My God, why has thou forsaken me? So I just used them sort of interactive talks. And, and that's the plan. Okay. Anybody want to ask a question, make a comment? Anything we've missed? Yeah, okay. Yes. When you have the quote from the um, philosophers, yes. the yeah. I think you really, as you did, actually, you see, yeah. So what I do, yeah. Sometimes I don't make them too big because they can see them five miles down the precinct, which is no good to me. But I don't make them too small so the old dears can't miss them either. So what happens is, look, this is Flavius Josephus, and it's all about you know Christ's return. I know it's in uh, in the books often they say it's a hotly contested quotation, which says. Um, and when Pilate had condemned it to those, those who loved him at first did not forsake him, he appeared to them alive the third day. Folks, that is a non-Christian striking those things. Now, I say to them, look, this is the thing. The real issue isn't whether he rose from the dead. The real issue is, are you willing to be crucified with Jesus Christ? To say, I am wrong. You see, the evidence is overwhelming. But it's whether I'm willing to say, I am wrong. I said, do you never go to North Wales? Do you know? There's a little town there. Uh, you'll never pronounce it. Does anyone can even pronounce it? Little town in North Wales with all those letters, 36. Go, 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 go. All right? I said, that's not the hardest word to say. This is it. I'm sorry. Have you ever said sorry to God? So, that's the real issue. You want to be boss of your life. You want to be king of your life. You want to be in charge. Jesus Christ is saying, you're wrong. You've got to agree with him. And so, then you, you know, you sort of stick in the sickle, if you like, to uh, make an impact. Folks, it's quarter six. So, Brother Ebenezer, you've not said anything. So please talk to us about anything in those lovely Indian tones. Go on. Are, are you okay? Any, do you have any open air work in India, Brother Ebenezer?
they will conduct another exclusive meeting. Right. And people are coming to know the Lord. So good. that's how Very we good. are reaching to those unreached people because in at least about 10 villages of our radius, and uh, especially to those people, there is not even a single church, and they have not heard systematically about the gospel. Mm. So that's how we are reaching. Right, right. But you've got a continuity there, haven't you, until evening and things? We have continuity on that. Unfortunately, we were, uh, our government upon the Pradesh of Bang, uh, the opening was uh, recently. Really? Yeah. Well, on, what, on what basis? Well, um, the street upon the Pradesh is, uh, the chief minister is pro-Christian, but uh, there is a big Hindu temple in Andhra Pradesh, called Tirupati, and uh, at least one million people go there every day mm. to do worship from those uh, uh, Hindu gods. Yeah. And uh, there is one party called BJP, Vishwa Hindu Parishad, you know. They were very skeptical about Christians, and sometimes some Christians, I think, they have distributed tracts uh, very near to the temple. Right. So, they were right. very, very angry. Okay. okay. So, they made it Okay. All right. Unfortunately, we were unable to go near to the temple, but yeah. still we are doing in the, in the bazaar yeah. and uh, in a common area as we can. Okay. In some cities in England, like Coventry, you've got to pay to preach in the open air. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in other cities, you can just set up. And with regard to that, I, I mean, I can be a little bit facetious and say, yes, I've got written permission. Matthew chapter 28 is written there. But, <laughs> it's an antagonised people. So what I do is if the officer stops me, I say, thanks very much officer, I'll move on, where would you like me to go? And then I keep him on my side really. That's what, if, you, if you're courteous, then you win. Any other thoughts? Any? Yes. Did you ever find out in well, I'll tell you what your problem is, and I've been doing open air work for 20 years now, and I've never, I've only informed the police I'm doing things. So if I say, I'm hoping to bring a team, could you please give me permission between 10 and 4 o'clock on Saturday, whatever. What you're doing is you're running the risk of putting a, a clear pigeon up, and I think, oh, there's an issue here, shoot him down. But if you just say, uh, on Saturday, we'll be having a team, because it's Easter, just letting you know. They never seem to come back. Okay. <laughs> so you let them know. But if they did come along, I'd just say, thanks very much, officer. I'll tell you what I do as well, just to let you know. If I know the coppers are lurking and watching me, I put the girls on testimony. <laughs> it's very hard for a copper to, in, to, to stop a girl. <laughs> Not that they keep talking, but they, they feel really bad. Until <laughs> 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 they've gone when we get the fellas back on. <laughs> Me, not stupid, old Chinese proverb. See, come on, put on girl. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we're doing for time and whatever, but it's a great work, folks. And if, if you've never been on a, you know, a team, it's fantastic. I'll tell you what it's done for my young people in Southport. It makes them stand up and be counted. Stuart's grandson is Thomas Elliott, and he's one of the boys who I work with. And this, it's very interesting watching Thomas. He's 15. He comes to Young Life. He's developing skills on his guitar and we give him some songs to sing and he's doing all right. I never push him. But I do open air work round about and then in Olmskirk. Now he lives in Olmskirk and he goes to school in Olmskirk, 315. 
So when we do the open air in Homeskirk, here's the board, alright, and this is where you'd all be. We're watching the board do this. This is where Thomas stands. And all he's doing is this is the wall where the shops are, and he's, he's like this. But when he's down in Chester, he's in here. And why is he like that? Because you've got to remember, when he goes to school on Wednesday, they're saying, hey Elliot, we saw you. And it makes him stand up. And now he's beginning to stand up and be counted. And what he does, if you're asked, well, why do you believe in God? And an evolutionist says, yeah, there was a big bang. He's got to know his stuff, hasn't he? And he helps them to know the stuff. That's why I'm a big believer in it. It puts iron in the spine of young converts. But they've got to know the stuff. And they've got to research it and say, he caught me out there, then he's not going to catch me out again. No. And, and in the open air, you get some tough questions. I was in St. Ives and a fellow said to me, he said, God is sick. I was on my slip there, and he says, God is sick. And he said, listen, he said, were we made in God's image? You answer this question. Were we made in God's image? I said, yes, we were, sir. He said, well, if we were made in God's image, then I can be, what did he, how did he put it? Then God is nasty, because I'm nasty. How do you answer that? Well, when he says we're made in God's image, you know, he's not talking about our physical body, is it? He's talking about our character, but of course it's fallen, isn't it? And you can explain that. But you get some really hard questions at times, and you think you've got a, you've got a force on your feet. And they can make you look a right prune at times. <laughs> you know, that's why it's nice to... Sorry, Sue, come um, You mentioned... Uh uh, you haven't touched on it too much, but the use of testimonies and interviewing. Yeah, um, how do you find that works? Well, first of all, with regard to testimonies, I always say to the team, look, if you'd like to be interviewed, I'm going to take it that you're happy to be interviewed, but I, I want you to either come and tell me or tell, and I choose somebody who's very approachable, because they feel bad if they don't volunteer to be interviewed. And I don't want them to feel bad. I'm very happy they're with me in the open air. So, Mary from the day might come up and say, look, don't ask Suzanne a testimony because she don't want to be... That's fine. But if somebody wants to be interviewed, so let's say, it's, um, Anthony, would you just come out? So I'm going to introduce you to a friend, Anthony, you have never known before. Anthony, just stand by the board. Now, I say, now folks, we're just ordinary folks and we've got an amazing story and what's happened to me has happened to Anthony. Anthony, tell us what age you are. And I just like, Now, I want him to tell you. So, I don't have him talking to me. I have him talking to you. Because you don't want to talk to me. You can't hear me and him. You want to hear out there. So, I just say, now, Anthony, tell us what you do for a living. And if you're, and are you well paid? They will say no. <laughs> All the teachers, they'll say no. <laughs> but then, I'll say, Anthony, what age you when God forgave your sin? I say, now, look, and I said, Anthony, let me ask you this question. Anthony, this is a real question. Are you certain you're heaven bound? Okay, you sound sure, Anthony. What, what's the basis of your assurance? Christ died for me. In my place. Okay, and what you do is you, you delve. Because they they're asking, why? 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 They're probably out there at the foundations. Thanks, Anthony. That's really good. Um, and, and so what I'm trying to do is ask from their point of view. I said, Leslie, you ask him a question. He's actually real. You can touch him. Okay. <laughs> Ask him a question. Yeah, no, just on that, so. the kind of bad preaching, because we had the thing yesterday where the people were doing preaching 
Paul's condition in Philippi, uh, whether that's a rivalry or main ambition, yeah. Yeah. something is going on, but you can always turn that around to your advantage. I mean, like in, in our area, uh, one of the things that we think is quite bad in my kids pick up on, and we've taken our kids out and we've done work with them, actually it really does give them background to stand up mm. for the pick. Yeah, uh, but when you hear someone out there using King Jimmy uh, English yeah. without any explanation, it's a real yeah. putting for a lot of people. Yeah. Like we've got a guy out there using the F word for location, yeah. and most of the people who were doing it haven't got a clue what he's on about. Yeah. So it's kind of quite strange. Yeah, that that's there's right. no explanation there. Yeah. And then you get people in churches who are saying, oh, I saw that guy out street preaching who's doing this. We just say, well, why don't you go out and do something different then? That will touch people. If you think he's doing it wrong, why don't you go? Yeah. And whenever yeah. we get people say, "Oh, I saw this guy in the street," and they say, "Oh, yeah. well, this is what he means." So we, we yeah. always use it in a way, even if there is bad street preaching. Yeah, we can it can it be. Yeah. Can I just? Can I just? Thank you, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> can I just ask you? I, I sat to a really, really interesting seminar once, and it, I'd love it to have been on this. It's called. Why in the UK do we see so few conversions? And when I heard that, that encouraged me. Because I thought, this is hard going. But, people are finding it hard going. And the, the secret to my mind to answer that question is you've got to study the soil, haven't you? Daniel Moore is a good friend of mine and Andy's and others. He's worked with New Transmission. He's been out in Papua New Guinea, the Ithapang tribe, for five years. They've seen a massive move in the village. 220 people in one village, 130 converted. And I sat in his room and he showed me 20 letters sent through on email of all these conversions. He's given me a tape of all the songs, all the tribesmen. But their starting, their ground, their soil is very different to the West. We, we, we've got an atheistic education system, generally speaking, there are occasional, you know, good ones. And it's inoculating against the things of God, isn't it? And then we come along thinking and, and they We have, that's right. But the point the point I'm making is that you see you've got to remember that we still see few conversions but but people have got to say, I'm wrong, haven't they? They've got to be brought to that condition, say, I'm wrong. The Holy Spirit convinced them, say, you're wrong. You see. So I just think I said to Daniel, where do you think the hardest mission field is in the world? He said, here. I really believe anything in the West is here. You know, when I was growing up, you could watch the beep. The BBC is closing down at midnight. It says, beep, and on came the national anthem. We only had four channels. We must have 400 channels now of atheism, atheism, atheism. And people are drinking it in, aren't they? You ask them simple Bible questions and the majority of Christians are as well yeah. because they're soaking yeah. more off that yeah. than they are from yeah. God's word and actually going yeah. out and fill them on six or seven cents by sharing the faith or more about Christ yeah, yeah. that's right you go back yeah. Shame. so there's a lot there and I think whatever the climate is you've just got to soldier on and say look I've got to preach the word of God that's what I'm called to do I'm just going to do it and leave the results to Christ Simon. In Hitchin, we've been experimenting a little bit, and there's not really a great preaching spot, but we have found sometimes we just put a book table up, yeah. and, uh, and just, just, you know, and we've got special churches that gospel message, and just sort of, just stop people, and then, you know, yeah. you don't always have to be preaching to get people's interest, and obviously yeah. it's easy 
EPS do that in other ways, but but yeah, but there, there are lots to be said for just putting a table out with free literature. Yeah. Well, I, I, and um, yeah. just giving it out, just talking to people. That's and right. Often, often you'll probably find more people come to come out to that if they're a bit edgy. Yeah. Then they will come stand with the preacher because yeah. there's less of a sort of social stigma attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Simon, all these things. I mean, some people. I think doing door-to-door work, I find that very hard. I don't like dogs for one, but there we go. Um, but I find that hard, but preaching, I don't find going to the precincts hard. So, there's different people with different strengths. And whatever you're doing that's getting into conversation, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? Speak the word, share the word, preach the word. It's a tremendous thing. What time is tea, Janice? Five minutes, folks, we can wrap up. Any comments on Poland on open air work? Do, do you have that over there? Uh, let's say, with a group of young people, we find for a few years we spent about one week on the close uh, to the Baltics and there is thousands of tourists, you know? Yeah. And we are often uh, perform very short drama, yeah. about four or five minutes long. And let's say, four of them were Well, can I just close by saying this? In a few weeks in June, I think it's about the 13th. But, um, but the money sorry? we are taking after this world, let's say, game. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Because the kids were quite poor, and we like to stay in this area, it was enough to survive. Just to say that, Oxford and Cambridge in a few weeks and then later in the summer Canterbury we've got teams going down there and if you could join for a day or two days or three days have you been to Stuart Oxford Cambridge? Oh, yeah. but we go and it's fantastic because on the team we've got about 24 we've got a few scientists with us and other types of people and you just have an amazing time one after the other talking in the open air and it, Oxford's probably one of the finest open air sites the corn market for open air preaching and if you're interested in going to see me, I'll give you the details and a telephone number and book yourself in or bring a friend and, you know, a young Christian who's got a gift in preaching, let them have a go, type of thing. And um, just things to do. And then, of course, in the summer, there's all this of beach teams who do a lot of open air work. So it's a tremendous thing. Well, thank you very much for coming along and staying alive and well. It's very good. Stuart, would you pray for us? Thank you.